It's been an awesome weekend, our Bridgewell weekend, and uh, what is really special about this weekend as well, that we have an opportunity to ordain uh, Pastor Andrew and uh, just give thanks to them. I want to tell you that we have been so blessed as a church, haven't we, by the ministry of Pastor Andrew and Natalie and their family as well, Jonathan and Micah, Benjamin, Eloise are here as well. And I'm going to, we're also blessed to have some of their friends and family who have come out, especially today. Just give us a wave if you've come out, especially today. Can we put our hands together and welcome these ones who are here as well? And we also have um, representatives from Queensland Baptist here as well. Stuart Peeper, who's the Director of Services. John Sweetman here is the director, Interim Director of our movement as well. And so I'm going to invite them to come up as well. Andrew and Natalie, come up in church. Why don't we um, give them a really big warm welcome, affirmation as they come up and join us here on the, screen, on the, on the stage. And I'm also going to invite actually some of the pastoral team and any church council members here. We're going to just sort of spread out um, across the stage here as well. So if you're here today, you can come up and join us on the stage also. I'm going to hand it over to Stuart Peeper to lead us through this. Thanks, Nathan. Good morning, church. How are you? Good. And, and welcome to the online church as well, those watching online. Uh, it's an absolute privilege uh, to be here this morning and to uh, officiate in the ordination of uh, Pastor Andrew on behalf of, of the Queensland Baptist Movement. Pastor Andrew has been a registered uh, pastor with Queensland Baptist and serving here at Brisbane, uh, Bridge, Bridgman for the last four years. In fact, you can follow along uh, you, if you've got this document here, uh, the program, the, the uh, words uh, are in there as well. Uh, during Andrew's time as a pastor here, ministerial services as representatives of the Queensland Baptist Movement have overseen a process to confirm his suitability uh, for ordination uh, within the movement, which is Queensland Baptist. Ordination uh, is the recognition by Queensland Baptists uh, and the Bridgman Church here that God has called, equipped and prepared Andrew for a lifetime of effective pastoral ministry. And, and there's three elements to that. There's obedience to God's call on his life. There's the completion of adequate study to prepare him for uh, this ministry and confirmation by the church to the suitability of his giftings and skills for ministry. And uh, as you know, and it's been affirmed already uh, by, by Nathan, that Andrew has clearly evidenced that uh, his uh, vocational ministry is uh, well received here. It's centred on the word, the care for people and the equipping for service it's a divine calling, uh, and uh, through rigorous study at Malian College, he's been equipped and demonstrated his ability uh, to, and his giftedness and his character to be suitable for this ministry. So I'm going to hand over to Andrew now, and he's going to give us a little bit of a, a testimony about how God's led him to this point. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Stuart, and thank you, church. It's um, lovely to have you, my church family, uh, joining uh, this moment um, my first response to this is just to give thanks to God. Um, as you see, I'll write there, everything is by his grace. Um, I often would like to just show you the 18-year-old Andrew Carnell and you would see a very clear picture of God's grace as he's drawn me to himself as an 18-year-old prodigal and called me to himself for his plans and his purposes. Uh, a number of years ago when I was a phys ed teacher in Stanford, God did a great work in my life and in that gave me a new heart and new eyes and I went into the school with very different eyes as I taught. Um, I now saw the young people through God's eyes and felt um, his heart for them, the teachers, and something had changed within me 
and we began to do prayer, uh, prayer meetings and Christian explained in that school. And as I reflect back, I see God even then just calling me into a role like this where um, under the... I guess by the grace of God, being able to love people and, and introduce them to my God. Um, that also led me to, over time, as has been mentioned, to study at Malian, to be equipped, but then to be called to this church. And I want to say to you all, I see that as an unbelievable act of God's grace, um, that he would call me to be a part of this church. And as I said, I don't just talk about the word of of grace, I have actually experienced it. I, I love working with the team here at Bridgman. I've experienced much love and much grace through them and also through, I say, family. This is a family. And uh, Nat and I would both say the love and the grace that we have received from you um, to be as part of this church has impacted us and changed our heart too. And so I want to say thank you to God for calling me here, but thank you to our church family for the impact and how God has used you to bless us as a family as well. Uh, also in those years, I'm very thankful that God has done something in in opening up the way to minister cross-culturally here at Bridgman. There was a moment back in Stanthorpe when a mentor of mine shared with me that there are still 2,000 languages still yet to receive the good news of Jesus in their language. And I heard that and I thought, God, is that not the greatest injustice in the world that people cannot hear of Jesus? There is no greater injustice. And I stood on a platform and I said, God, who am I but? even just a little bit, could you do something in my life that people who have never heard of the name of Jesus could hear of him? And so God did something in my heart to, to, to I don't know what he's going to do or how he's going to do it. But I see little uh, inklings of it here and I've loved seeing Cultural Connect come here to Bridgman, teaching Alpha in different languages, translation. This service has been translated now into Arabic, different things that God's doing to say, well, God, you know, please use us. Use us as a church to, to impact the nations as well. And so thank you uh, for, for allowing me to serve here. And um, I also just, again, see as a very clear gift of grace, my wife, Natalie, who stands here. Um, many of you will know, you, you don't do life alone as a married couple. This is a call on both of our lives. And the, the moments that she served me, loved me, encouraged me, prayed for me, um, is a real gift of grace to me as well. And so I thank and Natalie for her role and, and the beautiful children we have as well. Just all gifts of God's grace. We've said God is good. He is good. I even just say it now. If you don't know God, if you don't know the fullness of God, He is good. And He will do all sorts of amazing things in your life as you, you come to Him. And so my, my prayer, my heart today is just to give thanks to God and to also, um, as I've written in there, you know, there's a scripture in um, the Bible that says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I know that. And I want to pray that God would more and more show me my weakness and that I would rest in his strength, his power for him to do and more than I could ever expect or imagine, not just in my life, but us as a church as well. So I give thanks and, and glory to him and say thank you uh, as a church. Thank you to the church leadership here uh, and to the Baptist um, denomination for allowing me to serve as well. So thank you. Thank you. I don't know about you. If you gave an older call, then I would have come out. <laughs> what an awesome testimony. And, and evidence of God's anointing on this man. 
Uh, today's ordination is a, a spiritually significant public occasion uh, before Bridgman Baptist Church as an expression of Christ's body, uh, before Christian leaders representing uh, the 220 churches and fellowships that make up our movement. Andrew is making commitments today to faithfully fulfill God's calling on his life to serve as a gifted and qualified pastor with Queensland Baptists. And so just a couple of questions for you, Andrew. Uh, in the name of the... Come and step up here. We'll, COVID's safe. There we go. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church, I ask you to respond to these questions. Do you affirm that as far as you know, your true motives are a passion for the glory of God and a desire for the salvation of every person? I do. Do you promise in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ to be diligent in prayer uh, and in reading the word of God and to have a life worthy of your high calling in Christ? I do. Do you promise to be a faithful follower of Jesus and be obedient to your call to ministry in teaching and preaching the word of God, leading the congregation in making disciples of all people? I do. Do you accept the divine inspiration and supreme authority of the scriptures? Yeah, I do. Do you accept the constitution and bylaws of uh, the Baptist Union of Queensland and do you promise to abide by them in your ministry? I will, yeah. As an ordained minister, will you abide by the code of ethics for Queensland Baptist ministers? I will. And now to you, the congregation of Bridgman Baptist, you as a local church and as representatives of the wider Queensland Baptist constituency, acknowledge and receive Andrew as a minister of uh, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If so, will you please signify by standing? It's a good sign when they stand up. <laughs> Together we believe that Andrew's ordination is by God and confirmed by Queensland Baptist. So Andrew, on behalf of the wider Queensland Baptist constituency, I acknowledge your ordination to the Christian ministry and uh, welcome you as an ordained minister at Queensland Baptist. I'll give you this one and the special ordination pen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. John Sweetman's going to lead us in a COVID-safe prayer now of ordination. Thank you very much. If the leaders maybe could just stretch out their hands towards Andrew and Natalie, that would be, uh, that would be good. Andrew's pretty easy to love, isn't he? Is that true, Natalie? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Uh, but he's also a man of great quality and it's such a privilege to see God raising up leaders like this uh, in the Queensland Baptist movement. So it's a privilege to pray. Let's pray together, Hank. Hey? Lord, I thank you for your grace in calling Andrew into your family, Lord, forgiving his sins, setting him free, changing the direction of his life, Lord, and giving him a heart and a passion, Lord, not only for you, but for many others as well, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you'll continue to mould this heart that you have put in Andrew, Lord, that more and more it might become a heart, your heart, Lord Jesus, heart after God, uh, Lord develop his, continue to develop his character. Lord, may he be a good man. 
who reflects, Lord Jesus, your beauty and your goodness, we really would pray. Thank you for the, the gifts that you've put in him, Lord. It's been such a privilege to see these developing and growing uh, in him, Lord. Uh, and I thank you for these gifts, Lord. Uh, the gift of being able to influence and raise up leaders around him, Lord. The, the gift of being able to communicate your truth that's growing in him, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. Uh, the gift of, of service, Lord, that's so strong in him, Lord. The willingness to, to lay down his life for other people, Lord Jesus. And so continue to develop the, the gifts, Lord. And, and may His influence grow, Lord. Not just here in this church. I pray it'll grow here, but may it be a wider influence than that too, Lord Jesus, uh, for Your Kingdom. Thank You for the beautiful heart that He has for the world, Lord, that we saw just a little of uh, just before, Lord. And, uh, and I, we pray that that will grow, Lord. And opportunities will increase for how He can influence our world for You, Lord Jesus. May He make a difference, we would pray. I pray for his family, Lord. I pray for Natalie uh, in all of this as well. His main ministry is still to his family, Lord. And I pray that he'll do that well, Lord. I pray that his kids will grow up to follow you, Lord Jesus. And Natalie will continue to be uh, such a blessing to him as he is to her too, Lord Jesus. I would pray. And I pray, Lord, that he might continue to remain open to your spirit that you might teach him, that you might keep him humble, that you might keep him trusting, that you'll take him through the good times and the tough times, Lord, that he'll hold tightly onto you and continue to follow you and obey you and lead many others to do the same. We pray this in your name, dear Jesus. Amen. Can we put our hands together one more time and just really congratulate Andrew and Natalie. We are so blessed. Praise God. Lord, we do. We thank You this morning for Your goodness. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your Word, Lord, that You are not a distant God, but a God who has drawn near to us. And we pray now in these moments as we gather around Your Word, that You would speak to each and every one of us, wherever we are on the journey of life or faith, Lord, You're a God who longs to reach out, to be in relationship with us, to lead us. To... And Lord, our prayer is that You would change us this morning, make us more like You, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Just want to add my welcome as well to those joining us online, those in gold class. There's a whole crew over in our family services too, three family services happening today and they've been linking in for the ordination. Those up on the mezzanine up there at the top there as well. So great to have you sharing with us. And it's really special to be sharing today, uh, particularly for um, Andrew's ordination and just giving thanks for Andrew and Natalie and their family. And as I've said before, we um, give so much thanks to God as a church for the day that God called you both and your whole family to be part of the ministry here. And it's a real joy for us to celebrate this. And uh, so today, Andrew, just to encourage you, now that you're a reverend, Reverend Andrew, um, I came across some research recently uh, it was an actu actually an online survey to describe the perfect pastor. And so I thought you might be interested in the results of this survey now. Uh, and so this is what it found. This is what the online survey found, that the perfect pastor preaches exactly 15 minutes. Uh, I apologise in advance this morning. Uh, he condemns sin but never upsets anyone. Uh, he works from 8am until midnight and is also the janitor, just to let you know that. He's 28 years old and has been preaching for 30 years. 
Uh, he has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends all of his time with senior citizens. So there you go, no pressure uh, now that you're a reverend. But on a serious note, it is uh, really such a joy. We're so thankful for God's blessing and seeing how God has been using your calling, your anointing, your giftings uh, among us as a people and beyond that as well. Three years ago, we were holding a prayer meeting here as a church. And while we were praying, God gave somebody in the prayer meeting a vision uh, for Pastor Andrew. In fact, it was a vision not just for Pastor Andrew, but for us as a church as well. And this is uh, the vision that God gave this person. They said this, I saw Jesus smiling and laughing. He was so happy, he had a bow in his hand and a quiver full of arrows. He reached into the bag on his back, took out an arrow and fired it up into the air. Next, I saw the arrow going higher and higher. Then I saw a picture of the world and the arrow landed in another country. And Jesus did this over and over, arrows going everywhere, and he was so happy. Jesus said from our church, he would send people out to the whole world and we would be a blessing to the nations. Isn't that encouraging vision? Well, just this year, that person was reminded again by God of that vision and passed it on again to Andrew just to remind him afresh. And as you've heard this morning, this is a special part of the calling on Andrew's heart. His heart for the least reached people in our world, his heart for people from all the nations of our world, for whom the good news of the message of the gospel is for, for everyone. And so reminded him of this message. And if we look back over the last three years, and just over this last year particularly, it is amazing to see how this vision is beginning to unfold in our midst. Amazing what God is doing under Andrew's leadership, through the giftings and calling that God has given him, as well as the heart and passion of so many in this place, the body of Christ at work, and it's exciting. And today, as a further affirmation of all of this, is the word God has for us today. We're in 2 Corinthians in our series at the moment, Let Light Shine Out of Darkness. And as it just so happens, the section we're up to today is all about God's heart for the world. It's about us being ambassadors, His ambassadors to the nations, to all people. And when we started this series, I had no idea at all that this would align so well with our Bridgewell weekend and with Andrew's ordination as well. So I know with great confidence that this is another word of affirmation for you, Andrew, and for Natalie as well, for your whole family, of the calling he has given to you, the special calling he's given to you, and for us as a church, another affirmation for us as a church. God's call for us to reach out to everyone, everywhere is the vision that God has given to us for this season and the amazing plan that he is unfolding, reaching people from every culture, background, language, it's a blessing to be a part of that. So this is God's word for us today. Let me read it to you. We're picking up uh, where, we, where we left off from last week, verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world. There it is, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Isn't that good news? Praise God. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't this good news? The best news in all the world. And this is God's word to us this morning. One of the key images in this passage is that of an ambassador. And in the ancient Roman world, the role of an ambassador was really not that much different from the role of an ambassador today. They are a person who acts as a representative of the nation or the king from whom they've been sent. Um, They're a person who, uh, in a position of great authority, uh, a position of great privilege that was often sought after, but they don't speak in their own name or they they don't act on their own authority, do they? They don't proclaim their own message. They speak in the name and the, in the authority of the king who has sent them. And when they speak, it's as though the king is speaking. And when they are present, it's as though the king is present there in that place. That's what it means to be an ambassador. In season one of the Netflix series, The Crown, uh, Queen Elizabeth travels to Salon on a diplomatic tour. And she appoints her sister, Princess Margaret, to be her representative for for minor uh, royal engagements. And Princess Margaret, who has long been unhappy with her sister's lack of flair as a queen, she takes the opportunity to bring some colour and personality to the monarchy. And she speaks her her own mind and jokes with the press and belittles other dignitaries. And in one particular scene, the Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, has come to rebuke the princess and relieve her of her duties as a representative. He explains to her that she was not appointed to represent herself. And here's a condensed um, version of the conversation, a condensed conversation that took place from this scene. Churchill, Prime Minister Churchill says this. He says, Your Royal Highness... When you appear in public performing official duties, you are not you. Princess Margaret says, of course I'm me. And Churchill says, the crown. That's what they've come to see, not you. In the same way as followers of Christ, we do not go into the world, do we, to draw attention to ourselves or bring our message or our ideas, do we? We come as representatives of the King, of of our Saviour, of Jesus, who is the hope for humanity. Jesus is the hope for our world. It's his message that transforms lives. But as his followers, as his ambassadors, we have been given his authority. We have been empowered by him, which is reassuring. It means we don't need to be afraid or fearful of the call that he has given to us. Because it's not dependent on our gifting, our talents, our capacity. It's all about the empowering and the authority that has been given to us in Jesus. And this is good news. As the great missionary Hudson Taylor once said, he said that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. How true that is. We can take assurance from that. 
And not only have we been given his authority, we have been given his message. We know what to say. Often we worry, what am I gonna say? How am I gonna answer questions? Well, we have been given the message and it's a good news message, the best news in all the world. And I'm sure you agree that our world desperately needs good news. All of us would agree with that. The world is crying out for good news. And the truth that Paul is explaining here, reminding the Corinthians of, is that our world has a big problem. I don't think too many of us would agree that our, disagree that our world has a massive problem and there is a lot of people trying to work out a solution to that problem, have ideas on how to fix that problem. But the problem of our, that our world has, it's not an economic problem. I wanna tell you that. It's not a political problem. It's not a social problem. The problem our world has is first and foremostly a spiritual problem. There has been a breakdown in the relationship between us and God. There's this alienation, this separation between us and God. It's like having a massive wall between us and God. That's the picture that comes to my mind as I read this passage. There is this separation and that wall is our arrogance, that we think we know better than God. That wall is our conceit, thinking that we don't need God in our lives or in our world. That wall is our egotism and our self-centeredness, thinking that it's all about us and not about God, or that we are the God of our lives. And that wall is our sin and our rebellion and our pride that literally separates us from God. And Paul is making it clear here that, that my problem, that your problem, that the problem of our world is this spiritual problem that we have been separated from our Heavenly Father, separated from the one who created us and knows us and we were designed to be in relationship with. And it is this separation that is at the root cause of every other problem in our lives and in our world. And it's the same the world over. I want to tell you that. No matter what your background, your story, no matter what part of the world you are from, this is the heart of the human condition. That we would be reconciled to God, that we need to be reconciled to God and experience a relationship with Him. But with this barrier in place, it is impossible. But God goes on, sorry, Paul goes on to explain the good news, this message that has come from God to him, that has been revealed to him. And that is that God has come and sent his son Jesus to reconcile, let me spin this around, to reconcile the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And this is the good news of the message. That Jesus has come literally to stand in the gap for us. Let's look at just some of the statements that Paul makes here. In verse 18, he says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Notice that it's God that has done the reconciling. It's not us. We cannot reconcile ourselves to God. You can try all you want. You can try to earn that. You can try to pay it off. You can do all that you want to try to do to break that wall down. But I'm going to tell you now, you cannot reconcile yourself to God. It is God who has done the reconciling work and it's all by His grace. You need to know that first and foremost. 
And then Paul goes on to explain specifically how he did this. And, and, and this, verse 21, is probably the most concise and comprehensive explanations of the good news of the message of the gospel than anywhere else in all of Scripture. So if you're here this morning and you're, you're exploring faith still, maybe you're new to church or just new here this morning, this, if you forget everything else this morning, tune in for, to this, this verse because this is the heart of the message of the whole Bible. This is it, contained in just a few verses. Paul says that God made him, that is Jesus, God's one and only son, who had no sin. That is, that he lived the perfect life that we could never live. God made him that had no sin to be sin for us. Literally, that he would take upon himself on the cross all of my sin and your sin and all of the sin of the world, he would take upon himself on the cross and die the death that we deserve. So that, Paul says, in him, in Jesus, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. And this is incredible news. Literally, it means to be made right with God, to be reconciled with God. And it's this amazing act of love and grace that means that the barrier between us and God has now literally been broken down. It's this amazing act of love and grace that means that we now have access to our Heavenly Father, the one who created us, the one who knows us the best. That through this good news message of what Jesus has done for us, standing in our place, that we now have an opportunity to be in relationship with the one who knows us the best. And yet, even though he knows everything about us, he no longer counts our sins against us. And I want to tell you that's good news to know that. And that now because of this good news message, that we no longer have to be afraid in this life, that we no longer have to worry about things to come, that He has come and He has paid the price that we can know Him personally in our lives. His very presence through the gift of His Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I think that this message, the message of what Jesus has come, that the barrier has been broken down. I think this is pretty good news. Don't you think, church, this morning? It's the best news in all the world. It really is the best news that we now have access, that God has reconciled the world to himself through Christ. But here's the problem. There are heaps of people who have not yet heard this message. And there are many people who do not yet understand this message. There are millions of people in our world, people in your workplace, people in your neighbourhood, people in your sporting club, in your university campus, in your school that have never heard this message. And there are millions of people in some of the least reached parts of our world who have never even heard about Jesus, never heard of this great hope, the life that is found in Him. As Pastor Andrew often says and mentioned again this morning, the greatest injustice in this world is that there is 1.6 billion people living in the least reached parts of our world. That is parts of our world where there is little to no Christians. There are no churches where um, there is no opportunity for them to, to, to read the Bible, to hear about this good news message of the Bible. And so what is the solution to this problem. What is the answer? Well, Paul tells us that having been reconciled to God, when we've experienced this, that we have now been given the ministry of reconciliation, of sharing this message, that we are to implore people on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God by coming to Him in repentance and faith through the cross, 
to experience the blessing of being in a relationship with God. And this is the mission and the message that has been entrusted to us. And the moment we place our faith and trust in Jesus, this commission, this calling is placed on our lives. We are called to be ambassadors for Jesus in our world. And I want you to know this morning, church, I want you to know that this is God's plan A. And there is no plan B. We are God's plan A. We are his ministers of reconciliation, his ambassadors to the world. You know, I'm very aware of the, one of the possible misunderstandings on a day like today when we're ordaining um, Pastor Andrews, that there might be a thought in your mind that to be a minister, that you need some special qualification, that you need um, some special Bible college training. Not that there's anything wrong with Bible college training, they're all good things, but you might think, well, I can't be a minister, I can't be an ambassador. You know, that's for those who are in full-time ministry, that's for those who are sent to other parts of the world. But I want you to see here this morning, as we're ordaining Pastor Andrew, that every single one of us are ministers here this morning. Every single one of us have been commissioned by God, called by God. If you have been reconciled to God, you have this ministry calling. You have been anointed. You have been given authority in Jesus' name. Last Sunday night, one of our young adults, Steph McLean, was baptized. It was a powerful night full of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And she shared this in her testimony, which just captures this point, this truth so well. She said, once I graduated from school in 2017, I spent a year studying musical theater at dance company, at a dance company. At times, I allowed the dream of being a performer to be all-consuming. All my time and effort and energy was poured into what I thought was my God-given calling. In reflection, I now realize that I was focusing on my calling rather than focusing on God who had given me my calling. From 2019 to now, I am studying a Bachelor of Acting and Performance, but entering into this course was not the easiest transition. The arts is a very dark place. I feel like the battle between light and darkness is magnified there. As an actress, there is an expectation that you will delve into the human condition. As we know, with a life, in a life without God, humankind is innately sinful, broken, and hopeless. And the material that is celebrated in acting school, at least, purely focuses on that. Their stories, she says, are without redemption and hope because for them, that's all they know. They haven't heard this message. Currently, I have felt this urgency in my spirit. The spiritual battle is very real and I feel called to equip myself by putting on the full armor of God so I can work in the, I guess she says, mission field that is the performing arts. It is a mission field. It is a mission field. She says, it breaks my heart because music and theater is such a powerful medium which God can use, but Satan has had such a stronghold and it's my heart's desire that glory be given to the ultimate creative, the creator. I wanna shine his truth into a place where there are many misconceptions about Christianity. I wanna be Jesus' hope where there is so much hopelessness. I wanna be God's light for everyone around me, shining his joy and his love into the darkness but I know I can't do this in my own strength, which is why I'm being baptized, why being baptized tonight is my declaration in both the physical and spiritual realms that I belong to Jesus. Isn't that encouraging, church? Isn't that encouraging? One of our young adult, young ladies there who's got this, Steph has got this. 
that she realizes that she is an ambassador for Christ, that she has a commission as a minister. And yes, we need missionaries sent in to the creative arts, don't we? Just as we need ministers sent into the business realm, just as we need ministers sent into the realm of government and into the realm of, of justice and welfare and healthcare, all the aspects of our society, we need people that realize they have a commissioning on their life to go in to our world and those who God is commissioning and calling to go to the least rich parts of our world to tell them the good news about Jesus. And for some of you here today, that is your calling. For some of you listening online, that is your calling. And we are to grab hold of this, to realize that we are ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for him to this world. And I believe never before in history, in fact, could there, has there been such a strategic time to do this. We are seeing with the globalization of the world and the reach of online technology and the uncertainty our world is facing this time, this incredible opportunity that God has given to us. Jossie Chaco last night was saying that never before in the history of their ministry have they seen such a harvest taking place. But what is it that moves us to be his ministers? What is it that moves us to share with others? Because I know that for many of us, here today, we're thinking, well, I'm just trying to get through life. I'm just trying to, you know, get my own walk, Christian walk sorted out, let alone tell other people about Jesus and share this good news. But I want you to see the motivation for the mission because Paul tells us, and before I, I look at the motivation for the mission that God has called us to, I want you to know that there can be wrong motives. That's part of what Paul is talking to here. People have, plenty of people have gone into ministry or mission for the wrong reasons. And Paul here is actually speaking to a group of the Corinthian believers who have got this idea in their head that ministry is all about outward appearances and eloquent speech and it's about demonstrations of power and strength. And Paul writes this as a warning to the Corinthians and as a warning to all of us here to us as a church, what the motivation for ministry is. It's not that we think we can do something for God. I want to tell you that. It's not that we think we're going to show God and others how great we are and how gifted we are or try and prove ourselves in some way, try and prove our value and worth in some way. It's not that our ministry becomes something that is to make a name for ourselves. God, save us from that. But Paul tells us, what the motivation for the mission is. He says in verse 14, he says, for Christ's love, it's Christ's love that compels us because we are convinced, verse 14, that one died for all and therefore all died when we were united with Christ and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is the motivation for the mission. In 2016, the film Persona Non Grata was released, and it's the true story of uh, a Japanese ambassador, Chiyun Sujihara is his name. And as a boy, Sujihara dreamed of becoming Japan's ambassador to Russia. And by the 1930s, as ambassador to Lithuania, he was just a step away from fulfilling his childhood dream. Until one morning he awoke to a throng, a huge throng of people gathered outside his home. And Sujihara learned that they were Jews who had fled there from Poland seeking Sujihara's help for a Japanese visas that would permit them to escape the German Gestapo who were pursuing them, who were after them. 
And three times, Sujihara wired through to Tokyo asking for permission to issue these visas, and three times he was denied. And Sujihara, a committed Christian, had to choose between his dream and the lives of the people in this crowd. And, and, and Sujihara chose to disobey the orders from his government. And for the next 28 days, he wrote visas by hand, barely sleeping and eating. And eventually, because of his actions, he was recalled to Berlin. And as he departed, he was still writing visas by hand and shoving them through the window of the train to refugees who were running by their side, trying to save lives. And, and uh, as a result of his work, 6,000 lives were saved. And for many years, nobody had even heard of his story. But at the heart of it for Sujihara, when he made that decision as a Christian, it was the love of Christ that compelled him. And Paul expands this further, saying in verse 16, that because of the love of Christ that we have experienced, it also means we no longer see people from a worldly point of view. We don't see people as the world sees them. Now, the Nazis saw these Jews and refugees as less than human, second-class citizens, and would go on to murder six million Jews through the Holocaust and the genocide that took place there. But Sujihara, as a believer, no longer saw people from a political point of view or a social point of view or a cultural point of view. He saw this crowd of people before him as people who were created in the image of God, who had incredible value and worth and were loved by the Creator God. And it was this that compelled him. It was the love of Christ that compelled him to reach out to see these ones saved and rescued. It's the love of Christ that compels us. It's the same for us. When we see people, we don't see them anymore as the world sees them, particularly those who the world has despised and rejected and has forgotten. God says to us, you see them as I see them, not as the world sees them, compelled by the love of Christ. But there's another motivation for mission that Paul talks about here in this passage, and that is the desire we have to please God. Back in verse nine, Paul says this. So we make it our goal to please him, to please our heavenly father, whether at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Back in Japan, Sujihara was reprimanded for his actions and he spent the rest of his days in obscurity. I'm selling light bulbs for a job. And when his story was finally told and came out in all its fullness and the movie was made, his son was asked, how did your father feel about his choice? Did he have any regrets? And his son said this, my father's life was fulfilled. When God needed him to do the right thing, he was available to do it. You see, Sujihara's desire was to please his heavenly father first and foremost, to obey him. Even more than his career ambitions, even more than his love for his country, he was first and foremost God's ambassador to the world. 
And this is massive because I think so often we can let fear of others control us. We can let fear of others hold us back from the mission, from the ministry that God has called us to. But we need to live, don't we, to be reminded again that we live before an audience of one, that we are to fear God and not man. When Paul says he speaks here about fearing God. He's not being, talking about being scared or afraid of God. He's talking about living in awe and reverence of our holy God, our heavenly Father, as, as a child loves and has respect for a parent and wants to please them. It is the same for us. And Paul explains that there is coming a day where each of us as believers will give an account for our life. Paul is talking to believers here in this passage He was reminding them that, yes, we have been saved by grace. Yes, we couldn't reconcile ourselves to God. No matter how many good works we did, God has reconciled us to to Him. Our salvation is secure. It's not based on our own efforts. It's all about Christ, solely about Christ and what He has done. But he says, and the Scriptures are so clear on this, that we will appear before the divine bench and a judgment will be handed down which is comprehensive both in detail and its extent, and it is individually focused. There are a number of passages of Scripture that highlight this. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about this. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25. 1 Peter 5, which all point to this truth, that one day we will stand before God and we will give an account for our life. And this is an encouragement to live to please our Heavenly Father, to live to please our God, and he has already shown us through Jesus what that life looks like, to live a life pleasing to God. It was Martin Luther who said, there are two days in my calendar, this day and that day. And it's the same for us, isn't it? I was reading, been reading Mel Down's new book, Jump In, which is available today, and just a fantastic book, and in the back, she actually has a recorded this quote. She's written these words, Our greatest fear as individuals should not be failure, but succeeding at things that don't really matter. How true that is for us, particularly as followers of Christ. And then Paul finishes with these words. He says, as God's co-workers, that's who we are. We're co-workers with God. We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. And now is the day of salvation. And I read those words and it fills me with faith and I, I find that such so encouraged. Now is the day of God's favour. Now is the time of salvation. And I truly believe this is such a strategic time in terms of global outreach for us as his people. Where God has brought people from all the nations of the world to our doorstep and they're stuck with us for a little while, whether they like it or not. And God is enabling us to reach out to more people than ever before through online technology, and then there's uh, amazing to see too through our city service, through the hampers that gone out and the uncertainty our world is facing. We have this incredible opportunity before us. It is amazing to see what God is doing. 
Open the way for us to reach more people than ever before. And I don't want us to look back on this season and think to ourselves, man, I wish we had done more in that season. This is what Andrew wrote, Pastor Andrew wrote in the newsletter recently. He said, when our Good Day Saturday English lessons were moved online earlier this year, we were not fully aware of the potential and opportunities that taking this ministry online would open up. Now over 300 students have registered their interest in these classes. Some of the students live in Australia, but many are joining us online from overseas. Isn't it incredible that our team from Bridgman click in from their own home, connecting and sharing with people from Japan, Thailand, Lebanon, Brazil, China, Venezuela, Colombia, Italy, India, and more. I heard that last week one person even linked in from Kazakhstan at 3.30 a.m. in the morning to be a part of those classes and then heard about our women's conference later that day. So link back in for the women's conference. Isn't that incredible, church? Isn't that amazing what God is doing in this season? In our city service, there are stories I could tell you, some as recent as just a couple of weeks ago of students and people from other faiths coming into that service and the team in there having an opportunity to share with them the good news of the message of Jesus. This message that God has come and reconciled the world to himself, any who would come. We saw that in the video earlier, Alec Campbell, one of our young adults, he has stepped into student accommodation in the city. He's left the comfort uh, of living at home with mum and dad and home-cooked meals from mum and washing being done. And he's moved into an apartment in student accommodation in the city, just two doors down for our city service. Why? Because he knows that God has got a calling in his life. He wants to be a missionary to those students, many from different nations of the world. And he has had an opportunity to bring them to that service. I want to tell you, I could tell you so many more stories. God is doing incredible things. Literally, it's true. Now is the time of God's favour. Now is, today is the day of salvation. It's true. And I don't want us to miss out on the opportunities that God is opening us up for us as a people. And there is an urgency in this. Jesus is coming soon, church, he is. The window we have is short. Our lives are short. But we have this opportunity to share this good news. And I want to tell you, we need the help of everyone everywhere we do. Every person with a heart for God's kingdom work in this community in this city and beyond to the ends of the earth, we need your help to get this good news message out because the harvest is plentiful. I want to tell you that it is, but we need more workers. The workers are still few comparative to the needs of our world. And so we're going to pray this morning as we conclude. And earlier we commissioned um, Pastor Andrew, Reverend Andrew, I should say, we commissioned. And so I thought to finish our service that I would ask Andrew to come and actually to commission us as his church, to commission us as ministers. So would you stand with us now? We're going to stand together and Pastor Andrew's going to come and do that for us. We're just going to find a microphone and then we're going to worship together. But as Andrew comes to pray for us, I just want to invite you just as an act, if, if you know God's been speaking this morning, say, yeah, God, I, I hear this call again. Um, just, just to hold your hands out before you as Andrew prays that we would be commissioned afresh individually and corporately as his people to take this good news to the world. And God knows our heart and he sees us here. And uh, so let's look to him and turn to him. Oh Lord, I want to thank you so much for your grace in our lives, Lord, for your love. You sent your son. I was just thinking last night, actually, when the cross was hung, that one metre 
square piece of dirt. Lord, you rescued us. But Lord, the ramifications, the implications of that were to go to the ends of the earth. And Lord, you've called all of us as soon as we trust in you, as soon as we follow you, we are called to be carriers of this good news. What a privilege. As as I said earlier, there's no greater purpose in our lives. And there is no difference between one that's ordained, one that's been sent overseas than any of us as followers of Jesus, all called to reach those who don't know you. And so Father, I first pray that you would help us see and have a heart for the lost. It might be our neighbour. It might be our doctor. It might be a nurse. It might be a mechanic. It might be an accountant. Just as lost as some Hindu person in a village in India, all lost, waiting to hear this message, the good news of Jesus. And so Lord, here we are. No one's special. But Lord, we ask that You help us make ourselves available. Lord, by the power of Your Spirit, help us overcome fears. Help us overcome um, or help us to reprioritise our lives that our heart is in align with Your heart, we pray. And Father, we pray with the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, that You would work upon our lives, You work in our lives, through our lives, in the words that we share, the actions, Lord. And Lord, I wanna pray that You would change our mindsets as we go into our workplace, as we go to the shopping centre. Lord, we would know that we are sent ones. We are carriers of the good news of Jesus wherever we step foot, every one of us. Lord, help us live this way, help us live with this mission on our minds, Lord. Lord, time is short, Lord. Now, the, the, the short time we have here before we will be with you forever and ever, we thank you for that day. But Lord, until then, help us, we pray. Help us in our weakness. Empower us, we pray. And will we pray there would be much joy as we see people come into your kingdom. Oh, there's no greater news to share, Lord. We pray for that. Pray for that day. Pray for people coming into your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Family, friends, work colleagues. Lord, draw them into your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song as we conclude our service. As we worship together and continue to respond in our hearts, down the front here, we actually have some tables with some little notes there. And there's an opportunity for you just to come and to write a note of encouragement, of affirmation to Pastor Andrew and Natalie and their family today. And so I want to invite you, just as the band sings, as we worship together, just come, write those notes there and we'll collect them up, put them in the basket. We're going to give that to them just to encourage them. Uh, maybe it's a verse of Scripture, a prayer, or just a word of encouragement. You feel free to come and do that. But let's lift our voices in worship together. And as we're singing to, I want to say this, if you're listening online or here today, if you've never made that step, you've never crossed over from death to life, never experienced what it means to be in relationship with God through Jesus, you can know that this morning. If you're watching online, just click on that Respond to Jesus button and we'd love to get in touch with you and encourage you and pray for you. If you're here this morning on the mezzanine level, the chapel, Come and let us know if you came with a friend, say, I wanna know more. We'd love to give you a Bible gift pack to pray for you to encourage you this morning. Make sure you respond this morning. Let's worship Him together and come. Feel free to write these notes. Let's worship. Amen. Can we put our hands together this morning as we give thanks for this good news, best news in all the world.
wanna say thanks so much for joining with us this morning. And just a reminder that we'll be linking together again online for our service at 6 p.m. or our 4 p.m. service here in person as well. And also just a reminder about our offering, our missions offering, everyone everywhere, the envelopes are available. If you'd like to give towards that online, you can do it, just mark a bridge world or there's tables as you leave, you can use the envelopes and give towards that as well. And don't forget the books that are available for sale out in the courtyard as well. But God bless you. We look forward to sharing with you again. Praise God. God bless. Well, thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. You can reach out to us by emailing hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, don't forget to email us at prayer at bridgman.org.au and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.